Okay. Uh, anybody got anything? We're good. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I'm supposed to say. I guess not. Well, let me pray for us and we'll jump in. Lord, thanks for our time today and uh, for these folks and our desire to know your word. And Lord, pray that uh, through our discussion today, through our time today, that, uh, that it would become clear uh, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. We've been trying to work our way through the, to, the, to Revelation. Um, I've found that <clears throat> the best way to teach Revelation is to not teach Revelation is to teach the other parts so that Revelation makes sense. If we start in Revelation and jump into the detail, you're going to ask me, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? And then I'll, well, I have to go back and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Go back further. And that doesn't make any sense. And then, and so you might as well just start and kind of flesh it in, at least in, in rough detail so that, um, so that the end of the story makes, uh, makes sense. Is there a story with that right there? What just happened, what just happened right here? Uh, <laughs> um, my, my wife is taking pictures of, uh, of Mike. Yeah, you've been, uh, been uploaded. Okay. Um, if I were, uh, um, if I drew this, Do you know what that is? Okay, that's the seventieth seven. Everybody good? Can you can you see that? Um, can can you see over? The hat? Can you show it? Okay, the seventieth seven. Everybody good with that? Okay, uh, it's got a beginning point, a midpoint, and an end. Okay, uh, where do we get the seventieth seven or the seventieth? The book of Daniel. Okay, good. Do you remember what begins the 70th week, the 77th? The firm covenant. Yeah, there's a treaty. Antichrist is going to make a covenant with Israel. Okay, It's a false peace, but it's a peace that comes to the land of Israel. Okay? Antichrist makes it with Israel or Israel with other countries? Antichrist and Israel forms a what happens at the mid-trip point? Stop, stop, stop. Mid-trip. What does that even mean? In the middle of the tribulation. Okay, what's the tribulation? It's the 70th week. The tribulation, the great tribulation, the tribulation period is the 70th week. Okay, so when we say mid-trib, uh, that's the 70th week of Daniel. Okay. At the middle of the 70th week, there's several things that happen there. Um, what, what's one of the things that happens there? Yeah, we call it the abomination of desolation. Fancy words. All it means is Antichrist comes into the temple, cuts off temple sacrifice, and clar declares himself to be God. Yeah, but we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, so this is the first half and the second half of the Great Tribulation, or the Tribulation period. Good? What ends the Tribulation? The Return of Christ. Good. Okay, good. Um, 
What's after the tribulation? I didn't leave myself much room here. What's after this? The kingdom. The, 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 the kingdom uh, where Christ establishes his rule on earth. Okay? Let me test you a little more. What else change colors? What happens right here after the return of Christ and at the beginning of the establishment of the kingdom? The judgment seat of Christ, where Christ sits and judges uh, uh, to establish his kingdom, to, uh, you know, assign roles and responsibilities in the kingdom. <clears throat> making sense? The prophets. So this is when Israel is restored to the land fully and completely. Okay? Do you remember in Acts chapter 1, um, right after Christ's death, burial, resurrection, over a period of 40 days, he appears to his disciples, teaching them, and they ask him a question. Anybody remember the question that they ask him? Is now the time you're going to, you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Okay. Now, we're way back there. When they ask that, he says, it's not for you to know the times or epics. Okay. All right. In the prophets, uh, we've got uh, we've got these prophets. I mean, uh, all right. Can you all see this? Let me put my eyeballs on here. Come on. There we go. Okay. Is that slide making sense to you? The story is told in the red books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, uh, Ruth, Samuel, Kings. Basically, by the time you get to the end of Kings, Ezra, Nehemiah, you're at the end of the story of the Old Testament. Those other books, the green books and the blue books, supplement, they fit in during the story. Okay? The prophets, the blue books, uh, they come in three waves. Tell them I said hello. <laughs> the, prophet, the prophets come in three waves. Uh, some come to the north and some come to the south. What do I mean by that, the north and the south? Okay. Why is there a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom of Israel? It, look, if, if any of this didn't make sense to you, stop and say, whoa, whoa, you got to explain that more. Okay. Okay. So, um, let's, uh, in, in the book of Exodus, uh, Moses is raised up and leads Israel out of the land of Egypt. And let's speed up the story a little bit. Um, they receive the law. First generation is killed. Second generation is raised up. Uh, they're told the law again, and they go take the land, the book of Joshua. And they go establish they go take the land, okay? And the book of Judges uh, evaluates the, the judges and the priests, and the judges and the priests fail. And so there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so a king is inaugurated. What's the, who's the first king of Israel? Saul. Saul, King Saul. They asked for a king. They sawed for a king, and God gave him Saul. Gave him what they asked for. Um, doesn't go well. Saul's removed, and David is anointed king. David becomes the king. Okay? 
uh, king of the nation. And under David, the nation is united. The north and the south is united. Israel is one nation. The 12 tribes are one nation under one king. Um, David's son Solomon reigns over a united kingdom. After Solomon's death, um, <coughs> people had some problem with how Solomon was doing some things. He was uh, building the temple. He was taxing the people. And Solomon's son does not listen to the wise men of the kingdom. And uh, so ten tribes rebel against Solomon and form their own kingdom in the north. And for, so after Solomon, from about 931 B.C. Uh, until the exile, the nation is a divided nation. Okay. There's a northern kingdom, which is called Israel, and a southern kingdom, which is Judah. This is where we get called Jews. The Jews come from Judah, Israelites from Israel. Okay? Making sense so far? So... Um, the hope of Messiah is in the tribe of Judah in the south. The north is a rebellious kingdom. They follow other gods. And so three prophets in particular come and prophesy against the northern kingdom. Anybody remember who they are? Jonah uh, is a prophet to the northern kingdom. He actually goes and takes his message to the Ninevites, but it was so that Israel would read it and repent. Amos and Hosea. Those are the three prophets to the northern kingdom. Not many. All of the other prophets prophesy to and against the southern kingdom. Um, why is the southern kingdom so important? Because that's where the king's coming from. Right. So um, we don't have exact dates for two of the prophets, um, Joel and Obadiah. So let's set them aside for just a second. But we know the dates of the others. Isaiah uh, and Micah are going to come first to the southern kingdom. Okay, so we're, you know, we're, uh, we're way before. So this is the church age. Christ, Old Testament, okay? We're way back here in the Old Testament. Um, Israel is about to be kicked out of the land. And Isaiah is going to tell them they're going to be kicked out of the land and then talk about their future restoration to the kingdom. When the prophets, Isaiah, Micah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, whoever, talk about the future restoration of the kingdom, what are they talking about? When is that going to happen? It's here, right? Uh, what has to happen before Israel uh, is brought back into the kingdom? They've got to repent, okay? And so when does Israel's repentance happen? It happens here, okay? It happens during this 70th, seven-year period where the Lord again returns his focus to Israel and brings them to repentance and then returns to save them uh, and establishes the kingdom. Is this making sense? So when you're thinking Isaiah, Micah, um, these are uh, Jeremiah, 
Um, these are pre-exilic prophets. And the, the blue books there, so you've got uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Remember we said Hosea and Amos and Jonah were to the north, okay? So uh, this list here of these books is not in chronological order. It is in kind of chronological order. See Ezekiel and Daniel. Those are your two uh, uh, exilic, we call them exilic prophets. These are prophets who prophesied during the time of the exile. What is the exile? That's when Israel is kicked out of the land when Assyria comes, and then Judah, the southern kingdom, is kicked out of the land when Babylon comes. And they're kicked out of the land for 70 years. So two prophets right during the time of of Judah's exile. Everybody's kicked out of the land, and two prophets, Ezekiel, Daniel, write during that time, okay? So we call them exilic prophets. They write during the time of the exile. That make sense? Post-exilic, what would that be? After 70 years, prophesied by Jeremiah, the prophet. It, it's easy to remember because that's the verse right before, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord this wonderful plan for you. The verse, chapters uh, 29, 1 through 10 says, uh, pack your junk, you're not coming back here. <laughs> what a wonderful plan. Go to a foreign land, walk there, um, buy houses, settle down, get married, because you're not coming back here, not for 70 years. So it goes for Babylon, so it will go for you. Okay. So Jeremiah writes that, uh, and Ezekiel and Daniel right in the midst of that exile. After the 70 years, a partial restoration, a remnant returns. Isaiah talks about the remnant will return. A remnant returns to the land to do what? Does anybody remember? Basically, they're going to do a couple things. They're going to rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls, rebuild the city. To wait for who to show up? The promised Messiah so that they can reject him and then have the temple torn down, the walls torn down, and the city torn down. Okay? That's basically, uh, that's basically uh, what's going on there. Okay? All right. So the pre-exilic prophets are the first section of blue prophets. Um, Amos and Jonah and Hosea write to the northern kingdom. All the others are writing to the southern kingdom. What are they saying? Y'all better shape up. The Lord's going to throw y'all out of here. That's a very loose translation uh, or explanation, but that's what's going on, okay? If y'all don't shape up, you quit. You don't quit following other gods. God's going to kick you out of the land and disperse you among the nations, okay? Now, during the time of uh, Christ uh, appears, okay? so, so this story is looking towards the the. the Messiah who's going to come. The Messiah of who? What does Messiah mean? Anointed one. Okay, help me. Anointed one. King. Anointed king of Israel. Uh, Mashiach, Messiah, that's Hebrew. Uh, what would be the Greek terms? Anybody know? <coughs> Christos, Christ. 
uh, what does Jesus Christ mean? Christ means anointed, anointed one, anointed king, king of what? King of Israel. Okay. So Christ is going to come to, listen to this, save his people from their sins. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to your little Christian view, but that's not what the authors are saying. Okay? In the, in the Gospels, go to Matthew. Turn to Matthew. See, if we don't get this, then, then eschatology or the end times or all that, none of it's going to make any sense. When the Bible says his people, who's the his and who are the people? His is the Lord and his people, Israel. Okay, good. All right. Go to Matthew. Uh, uh, you know what? Let's go to Luke. Go to Luke. Luke's even, even easier to see. Okay, do you know what the Magnificent is? If you're Catholic, you know what the Magnificent is. If you're not Catholic, you don't know. You have no clue. Um, yes, it's uh, that Magnificent is found in Luke chapter 1. This is in verses 46 through 55. This is Mary's prayer. My soul exalts in the Lord, verse 46. My spirit rejoy has rejoiced in my God, my Savior. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me as blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation from generation. Uh, um, toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. What does that mean? Who's he scattered? Israel. Uh, he has scattered them, dispersed them. This is the diaspora. That's the Greek term, diaspora. He's dispersed them among the nations. Um. He has brought down rulers from thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. And he's filled the hungry with good things, and he's sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant. How's he given help to Israel, his servant? By sending the Christ to save them in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to his fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Skip down to verse 68. This is Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Who are his people again? He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. <clears throat> In the house of David, his servant, he spoke, uh, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets uh, from of old, salvation from our enemies. Who are the enemies of Israel? All the nations. Whose side are the nations on? Satan's side. Whose side did Israel go join? 
Satan. Exactly. So they have to be redeemed. They were sold for nothing. They've got to be bought back without money. They're not going to be bought back with money. They're going to be bought back with what? The blood of Jesus. Christ. Good. I could do well in seminary. This is good. <laughs> As he spoke by the mouth of his holy uh, prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers. Who's that? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all of our days, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Who's the child that he's talking about? John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist's dad, and he's talking about John the Baptist. He says, you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way to give his people, who's that? The knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. What sins? What got Israel kicked out of the land? Following other gods, going after other gods. Gods in whom there is no salvation, no deliverance from the curses put on creation. Because of the tender mercy of God uh, with which the sunrise from uh, on high shall visit us to shine upon those uh, who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And so John the Baptist comes on the scene, and uh, what is his sermon? <clears throat> Repent. As it is written in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm in chapter 3 of, uh, of, uh, of Luke, verse, uh, verse 4. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, every ravine shall be filled up. Why are the ravines empty? Drought. Every mountain and hill will be brought low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough road smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Go back a little bit uh, to um, Simeon's prophecy. This is Simeon in uh, chapter 2. Uh, pick it up in uh, verse uh, I don't know, 25. Let's read the whole part. Uh, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. What's that? Yeah, the... the yeah, that Israel would be comforted and restored. Uh, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's promised anointed king of Israel. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus, what does Jesus' name mean? Does anybody know? Yahweh saves. Yahweh, the Lord, saves. Saves who? Hold your finger. We're going to come right back here. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 1. 
This is the angel talking to Joseph about Mary, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 21, and she shall bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Yahweh saves, that's his name. Now all this took place in order to fulfill that, uh, the, that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin will bear a child, and, you, uh, and he will bear a son, and you will call his name God with us, which is translated God with us. Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. All right. Uh, skip down to chapter 2 of Matthew. These are the wise men, the, the kings, the wise men, they come. Uh, and uh, they said to him uh, in Bethlehem of Judah, and then they quote Micah 5.2, I'm in 2.6, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. All right, you get it? So the Christ comes to save his people from their sins. Now, you can't read yourself in there yet because you're not in there yet. The Gentiles are not in the story yet. That's coming, okay? John the Baptist, or John says this, uh, the word became flesh, tabernacle, tabernacle among us, and we beheld his glory, talking about the disciples, right? He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, right? But whoever receives him, in light of Israel's rejection, now the gospel goes to the, the Gentiles. Good. Back to, to uh, Luke and Simeon. Okay. Came by the Spirit in the temple, verse 27. Uh, and he took him in his arms, he took the child in his arms and blessed God and said, verse 29, Now, uh, now Lord, uh, you can let your bondservant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. You see how your people is always Israel? Save his people from their sins, that type of thing. Okay, so what's going to happen over there where that cross is on the board? The promised Messiah, anointed king uh, of Israel, as promised, is born, is presented to Israel. How is the Christ presented to Israel? What does that mean? How does he prove himself to be the Christ? Through his words and his works. What works? Prophecy. Um, do you remember when John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus? He's in prison, and he says, um, hey, Jesus, um, I'm kind of adopted Isaiah's, uh, one of the verses in Isaiah, released to the captives, relieved to the prisoners. That's become my life, life verse, Jesus, and I'm over here in prison, and I'm kind of hoping that you're the promised one because otherwise it's not looking good for me. Are you the promised one? Are you the coming one, or should we expect another? And Jesus sends the disciples back, and he says, Tell them what you have seen, that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. All of these were signs 
that would identify the promised Messiah. These are signs that John's going to write in his book, right? To prove that Jesus is the Christ. Not only what he does, miracles, but by what he says, sermons, words. Okay? Words and works match. He's presented to Israel. What's Israel's response? They reject him. Do all, uh, do, do all the Jews reject him? No, most do. And so what do we call the ones who don't reject him? Remember this? Remnant, right? So this is the disciples. Okay? The disciples, the followers of Christ, are now going to be sent out to take the gospel to the nations, to the diaspora first. Diaspora, what do I mean by diaspora? To the scattered Jews. This is why Paul is going to go to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. He's going to write this in uh, the book of Romans. I'm not ashamed of the salvation of God, for it is the power of salvation to all who believe, the Jew first and then the Gentile. See, there's a reason why they're saying everything. It just makes perfect sense. Okay? So they're going to go into the diaspora to proclaim uh, deliverance to the Jews, salvation to the Jews, and in light of the Jews' rejection, then that same deliverance is going to be pronounced to the Gentiles. During this period of time, this is the time in which God's promises uh, of blessing coming to the Gentiles would be realized. We call it the church age. Okay? Um, that's what we're doing here. Uh, the gospel is going to the Gentiles, uh, but will God keep his promises to Israel? Yes, he will. Okay? So when does he start to turn his focus back to Israel? Right here. Right, it's right here. These are the events that are going to take place when the Lord is going to, to turn his focus back to Israel and bring them back to himself and establish his kingdom okay? at the end of days. Is that making sense? Um, I think I just muted myself. Let me see here. I didn't. All right, y'all still hearing me there? Okay, we're good. Everybody, is this making sense so far? Okay, now. Um, turn to Psalm 110. Let me, show, let, me, let me talk to you about Psalm 110. We haven't done this in a while, and it's probably a good place to reorient ourselves. I turned off my video. Start video. Okay. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Um, Psalm 110. Okay. Um, this is a good spot for us to be reminded of, or if you've never, not familiar with Psalm 110, that's okay. Um, um, why is Psalm 110 so important? First, this is a Psalm of David. Okay. Um, who's David? King. Okay. Okay. The Lord said to my Lord. Now, um, you've, if you remember this, we've, we've been through this a few times in here probably, but by way of reminder, and for those who haven't heard it, um, do you see in, in your Old Testament, whenever you're looking in your Old Testament, reading your Old Testament, it will have a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. When, when you see that in your English text, that is translating... 
the name of the Lord, Yahweh. Okay? Uh, the Lord said to my Lord, that my Lord is capital L, little O-R-D. That word is Adon. Um, uh, master, something like that. Um, uh, Adonai, my Lord. Adonai, our Lord. So you, you may have heard Adonai. That's my Lord. Okay. Uh, it means master or something like that. Okay. The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord. Now, who is my Lord? Uh, who is, this is David's Lord. Who's David's master? David's the king. Ain't nobody higher than the king. Except for the king that's coming forth from him. Jesus, right? So essentially what's going on here is the Father says to the Son, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, the book of Hebrews is explaining this. The Hebrews is written to who? Hebrews. Okay. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that sounds so obvious, but it's important to remember. First uh, John, Second John, Third John, First and Second Peter, James. These were written to Jewish believers. Okay, <clears throat> Jewish believers have promises, don't they? Promises the Gentile believers don't have. The writer of Hebrews is explaining to these Jewish believers, these Hebrews to remember Psalm 110, that the Lord is seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting until what? Until his enemies are in a footstool for his feet. So uh, the enemies of Christ, are they still around today? Yes. How's that going? <laughs> yeah. They're making a mess. They're making a mess, yeah. So uh, is this verse relevant to us? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Whose job is it not to repay? Ours. Ours. We'll talk about what that looks like and how that fleshes out, but, but, um, but nonetheless. Okay? So, the Lord, all caps, did you catch that? will stretch forth thy, your, strong scepter from Zion. Whose strong scepter will be stretched forth from Zion? The sons, okay? The sons' strong scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. When is that going to happen? Yeah. Your people will freely volunteer in the day of your power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. For the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, who's the you? Christ. Christ, are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a king back there in Matthew, Matthew, in Genesis chapter 14, uh, who was a king and priest. His name, Melchizedek, means Melchi, Melk is Melech, is uh that means king. So the, the uh, 
the M-E-L-C-H, that's king. The I is king of Zedek. Zedek is righteousness, king of righteousness. He was the king of Salem, Shalom, king of peace, king of righteousness, and he was a king priest. Okay. The Lord is at your right hand, verse 5. The Lord, now this is capital L, little O-R-D. So whose right hand? It's the Father's right hand sits the Son. So the Lord, the Son, is at thy, your, the Father's right hand. Catch that? He, the Christ, will shatter kings in his day of wrath. He will judge among the nations, and he will fill them with corpses. When does this happen? At the return of Christ, right here. Okay? And so if we were to draw this, um, uh, we would have Christ's resurrection. He's seated at the right hand of the Father now until he returns. Does that make sense? So the Lord is in heaven, capital L, little O-R-D, and the Lord is at his right hand. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I was, we were reminded of this this last week. Kate was going through stuff. and uh, Let me see if I've got this. I'll show it to you. Well, he's looking at this is not which way. Uh, yeah, the, the Lord is at the, at the, yeah, the Lord is at the, uh, yeah, uh, let's see here. Um, See if I can, uh, can't multitask, but let me see if I can pull this up. No, you texted that to me, didn't you, Kate? Um, so years ago, let me see if I can tell the story and talk and find it at the same time. Um, that's okay. Um, yeah, sorry, James, ahead of time. Let's see here. Uh, where are you, Kate? For some reason, it quit showing... Uh, there. Um, one of James's friends uh, said something, because uh, every road that leads to the heavens is right inside of you or something like that. And James responds, um, no, it's Jesus. And so one of his friends says, but isn't Jesus inside of you? To which James responds, um, no, actually, he's in heaven right now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my boy. <laughs> uh, he is, um, the, the, the son is at the right hand of the father. Doing what? Making intercession for the saints and waiting for what? Return. I'm the saints are what we're going to see when we get over here and the saints who are in heaven with it they're under the throne saying how long um, we've had about enough of this it's time for you to get busy Let's wipe some folks out <laughs> and they return with him okay uh, to exact the judgment that is written <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet. 
and, and, and so and you're going to see this, right? And so they're asking this question. He's going to be, you know, giving them things and and telling them, not yet. Wait, it's not yet. Time. Now it's time. Right? Uh, and so. Uh, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Right? So his plan will not be thwarted. He knows um, who and how salvation is going to go. and It's going out to the ends of the earth. Uh, the rapture could happen at any time. We don't know. He knows. Right? Uh, but, there are, but, but this is the context within which this, this last, this 70th week is going to, to take place. Is that, is that making sense? Everybody tracking along? So when you're reading an epistle, uh, you're reading letters written to the church during this time, in between Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and his return. What would you say if you were writing a letter to these people? Okay, straighten up. Good. What else? Yeah, uh, love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, uh, bear one another's burdens, build one another up, yeah. endure. Why do you need to endure? Because who's running the earth? Who's running the who's running the show down here? Bunch of. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, we've got to endure. Um, this is throughout the Old Testament. This is throughout the New Testament. This is the, uh, so, so the, 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 the believer endures because his hope is where? In Christ, and where is Christ? And so his hope is? In heaven. His citizenship is with Christ, and where is Christ? And so your citizenship is in heaven. In heaven. It, the, 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 the language is so simple. It makes so much sense if you know the story. All right? I want to say something, but you can address it later if you want to. Okay. It's always the people that say that you know, Satan's running the joint down here, that mm -hmm. God's sovereign. I never quite reconciled that. Okay, so turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, so the question for you online was, uh, how is it that God is sovereign, uh, but Satan's running, uh, running the show here on earth? Okay. Uh, Paul in Ephesians is going to explain that in chapter 1, uh, the, chapter 1's Israel, uh, and all the we's there are Israel, until he gets down to chapter 1, verse 13, in him y'all also, Gentiles, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were sealed um, uh, in him with the promise of the Spirit, which is given as a pledge of our inheritance. The promise was given to our Israel, and you, Gentiles, got it. Okay? It explains that uh, Christ has, um, that God the Father has, uh, let's pick it up here, mm -hmm. verse 20 which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly place. Does that make sense to you? Sure it does. 
Where's Christ now? Uh, as was foretold in the Old Testament, seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion on earth. earth. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave, so in other words, it's already been assigned to Christ through the resurrection. It's coming. You don't see it yet, but it's already been assigned to him. Gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. So what's the church? The body of Christ. The fullness or the fullness of him who fills all in all. We'll talk. We'll skip over that. Chapter 2, verse 1. And y'all were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, back there in the Old Testament, he's going to explain what he means by this. Let's go ahead and skip forward and show you what he means. Therefore, 2.11, remember that you Gentiles in the flesh, who were the so-called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that y'all were at that time, Old Testament times, before Christ, separate from Christ. In other words, the king of Israel wasn't your king. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenants of promise. You didn't know the promises made to the patriarchs because y'all were over there worshiping sticks and frogs and <laughs> yeah, rocks and sticks and frogs. Yeah, whatever else y'all had going. Having no hope. Why didn't you have any hope? No resurrection, no eternal life, nothing. And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off have been brought near by that same blood of Christ that was to save Israel also saves you. That makes sense? Go back to chapter 2. So y'all were dead in your trespasses and sins. 2-1. In which y'all formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, Israel, we came and joined them. Y'all were over there worshiping Satan. Satan was running the place, and we came and joined you. Formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of flesh and of the mind, whereby children, nature of wrath, uh, were uh, by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he, which, with which he loved us, even we were, when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together, but both into one group. By grace y'all have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated up us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come, he might show his surpassing riches of his grace towards us in Christ Jesus. Ages to come. Here. This is when it's going to be realized. There's the time to endure. This is the time for your faith to be realized, your hope to be realized. Right now, you walk by faith and not by sight. Here, you want to walk by faith, it will be seen. 
that makes sense? Absolutely. Yeah, God is, uh, yeah, God is absolutely in charge. Uh, and, and here's the thing uh, that, um, uh, you ask, well, why, why this plan? And I think Paul answers it in Romans chapter nine. Now the context within which Paul is speaking in Romans chapter nine, he's talking about the two parts of Israel, the believing part and the unbelieving part. But what he says uh, really does answer the question. So if we go back to Romans 9, uh, where do we pick it up? It is not as though the word of God has failed, 9-6. They are not all Israel who descended from Israel. Neither are they all children because they are Abraham's offspring. But through Isaac shall your descendants be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as seed. For this is the promise. At that time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebekah, she conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, uh, for uh, though the twins were not yet born and had not yet done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose, according to his choice, might stand. Not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will show compassion upon whom I will show compassion. So then, it does not depend upon a man who wills or on the man who runs, but upon God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose so that I might demonstrate my, my power in you. In other words, I raised you up so that you would oppose me so that I could squash you and everybody could see it. And that my name might be proclaimed among the whole earth. So then, he shows mercy upon who, who, he, show, who he desires. And he hardens who he desires. And you're going to save me. Well, that's not fair. Why does he, you know, if, he, if he's already made up his mind, then why does he still find fault? You will say to me, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? Paul answers, on the contrary. Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why have you made me like this, will it? 
does not the potter have right over the clay to make this from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared beforehand for destruction? Satan's not an afterthought. People on Satan's side, they're not an afterthought. According to Paul, they were raised up for this very purpose. So that he did this in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon the vessels of mercy. See, you would know mercy unless you saw wrath. He prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, whom he called, not only from among the Jews, but also from among the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call those who are not my people, my people, and her who is not beloved, beloved. And it shall come about in that place where you said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. This is what Paul's arguing in the whole book of Romans, right? Um, one of, we were in a seminary class years ago. This was Dr. Leitner. And one of the students asked the question, why doesn't God save everyone? I probably told you this. And Dr. Leitner said, that's exactly the wrong question. The correct question is, why does he save any? See, you didn't deserve salvation. You deserve exactly what you don't get. All were under his wrath. All were under his judgment. And he chose to show his mercy to some. Even you. Say, well, that's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. God's not in the fair business. Fair's in the fall. He is in the just business. And so he gives you what you don't deserve by giving his son what he didn't deserve. So who are you to answer back to God what he can do and can't do? Now, what about those who don't believe? Pray for them. Through the ministry of the Spirit, God calls you to pray for them. And through that same Spirit, God convicts them of sin. And by the same Spirit, they believe. And so by the same Spirit, they are baptized into one body through the Spirit. So it's all the work of God. So what do you have to do with it? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, why do you act like you deserved it? Wrong question, isn't it? Why didn't he save all? Better question is, why does he save you or me? Just what he does. He chose to set his 
desire his his attention upon you just as he did Israel and caused you to believe and you believed through the ministry of the Spirit. If that doesn't humble you before the Lord, I don't know what would. Okay, this is making sense. All right, so when we talk about the book of, when we're, when we're going back to those, those prophets, they are looking forward. They are, they are mourning, uh, not M-O-R, M-O-U-R-N, not M-O-R-N. They're not mourning like the day of, time of day. They're mourning uh, for Israel's sin, Israel's rejection, uh, the impending judgment because of that sin, and they are longing for uh, the day of reconciliation. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Close to time. We've got to quit early. So, uh, um, Matthew chapter 5. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking to who? Who's he preaching to? Jews on the hill. Okay? And these are the, what we call the, uh, the Beatitudes. Okay? The blessed are you wins. Okay? Let's read these. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, by the way, almost all of these come out of Isaiah, um, chapters 40 through 66. In Isaiah 40 through 66, this is the promise of Israel's restoration of the nation. Blessed are you Jews who are poor in spirit. Why are they poor in spirit? They're not in the kingdom. They're waiting for the king to come. This is their only hope. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Why are they mourning? They've been judged for their sin. The nation's been dispersed among the nations. Uh, the whole created purpose for Israel is not being fulfilled. There's no kingdom. They shall be comforted. By the way, that's Isaiah 66, 10, Isaiah 61, verse 2. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the land. What land? Not the earth. The land. This is a quote from uh, Psalm 37, verse 11, or Psalm 25, verses 8 through 15. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, those who make peace between God and man, not the, those who make peace between man and man, those who make peace between God and man. This is Isaiah uh, 52, 7 through 10. For they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Anybody persecuted for the sake of righteousness in the Old Testament? Yeah, the prophets were. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all sorts of evil against you falsely on account of me. In the Old Testament, they were persecuted for the sake of righteousness. 
Now they're going to be persecuted because of Christ, who is the righteousness of God. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. So they persecuted the prophets, and so they'll persecute you. See, and so this whole Old Testament is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, desire for the Messiah to come, to fix the mess, the, to throw out Satan, to destroy the enemies, uh, waiting for the Christ to come and to make his enemies a footstool for his feet. When did that need begin in this story? The enemies to be made a footstool for Christ's feet. Right after the fall. Chapter 4, yeah, what do we need? Uh, we need the Christ to come and make his enemies a footstool for his feet. Why? Because, I don't know, uh, Cain's killing Abel, and wickedness is all throughout the earth, and the, the, the flood didn't kill him. The flood didn't wipe him out. Dispersion didn't fix it. And, and so this is, uh, so, so everything uh, is looking towards this return of Christ. The birth of Christ, the identification of Christ, that's big, but this is bigger. The return of Christ. So your hope is in heaven, and your hope will be realized when Christ returns. Okay? So whenever you're reading any of the prophets, they'll be talking about Israel, the judgment that's coming upon Israel, why it's coming upon Israel, uh, and then how they're going to be restored and when they're going to be restored. And your hope is bound up in their hope. Does that make sense? The promises made to them about this, that's your hope too. Okay, so when we read the prophets, when we read the Old Testament, and we read the book of Revelation, this is why the saints who are uh, raptured and uh, in heaven, they're not going, man, this is great. Let's go play some more cloud golf. Okay, that's not what they're doing. They're not singing, uh, best I can tell. I don't hear them singing, uh, you know, songs. Or no, they're, they're asking, how long? How long? How long? Then, when the kingdom is established, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to rejoice now because of hope. Then you will have a reason to rejoice because hope is realized. Good? Revelation is getting bigger, <clears throat> making more sense, I hope, and we're not even studying Revelation. <laughs> not bad. Let me pray for us. We're done. Lord, thanks for our time and uh, for your faithfulness, uh, your mercy that you've shown towards us that we didn't deserve and still don't. Lord, help us to endure. Uh, help us to encourage one another, to care for one another, to be a people set apart, that the world would know that we are your followers because of how we love one another. We've got a long, a long way to go to fix that. So help us with that. Lord, remind us that our hope is in, in heaven because Christ is in heaven. So we thank you for his work done on our behalf on the cross. Continues to work on our behalf through interceding for our sins. But we look for the day uh, when uh, righteousness will be seen and not hoped for, the return of Christ. And so that's our prayer and that's our thanks in Christ's name. Amen.